Welcome to HivriaCast, the podcast where I, Alad Nehrai, speak with some fascinating and incredible creative Jews. Hello and welcome to episode 36 of Hiv... Oh my gosh, I already <laughs> screwed it up. Even when I know the number, I got it wrong. Episode 37 of HivriaCast. Uh, I am so excited to have a very special guest. It's my rabbi at my shul, uh, Sam Reinstein. I forgot your name for a second. <laughs> <laughs> Sam Reinstein. How are you doing, Sam? Hey, lad. Should doing I call great. you Rabbi Sam Reinstein for, like, to be official? Uh, sure, if you want to. <laughs> <laughs> this is Rabbi Sam Reinstein. Yeah, and um, I guess every podcast is going to be Podcast 36 from now on. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Role. Yeah, the last three were all Episode 36. There you head. go. So, yeah, 36. I guess I'm just stuck on that. Um, how you doing? Doing great. Yeah? Yeah. Excited to be here. Nice. Um, What's in your mind? I don't know. <laughs> you know, when you, when, you first asked me, when you first asked me to come on, I actually, I think I, I, it was a while ago. It's yeah. a little hard because when you have two jobs, it's like a little more difficult to, uh, right. to plan these type of things. Um, but I was a little surprised because uh, I never really saw myself as a creative Jew. Right. Or a creative person to begin with. Um, my sister was always like the creative one. Like it was always the she played piano, she drew. Mm-hmm. I was like the math and sports guy. Right. Um, but like in the more nerdy way, and less in the fantasy way. Yeah, and less in like the jockey way. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I, I no, I thought about it. I thought about it a lot. Um, because I, I think I think I'm creative in like a, a little bit of a different way, in a little non-traditional way. Um, wow, how creative! Which is how creative, right? <laughs> I have to be, uh, wow. I have to be like uh, non-traditional in a non-traditional field, whatever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. am a rabbi in Brooklyn, um, <laughs> but uh, I think I think I kind of do this in a little bit different. It's not creating something new, mm. um, but it's creating something like not creating something new from. Nothing, but creating something new by putting two things that don't mesh together together. Um, I've like always done that. I really love doing that. Really, um, like all my early jokes are puns. Oh. You know, it's like putting different meanings together over different over words. You know, so that fit with the rabbi career stuff. Um, but uh, you know, like putting things that don't make sense together, like wishing them together. I really love doing that. Um, um, do you know that like? That to many experts in creativity, that is literally the definition of what creativity is. Yeah, wow. So not like, even like there's, putting. There's no. There's like no paint way on a canvas. No, no, definitely not. Right. I mean, because if you think about it, there's many painters who aren't necessarily. I mean, they use creativity, but obviously there's like a spectrum, right? Like it's not like every everyone who paints. Like first of all, there's a lot of painters who, you know, try and do things very logically you know right, it's, right, it's sure. interesting like they can use a lot you can use logic and, and straightforward thinking and linear thinking for painting is my point but yeah. like and and the other you know theory that people have what creativity is that you're making something from nothing which i guess you know there's there's definitely a lot of there's there's something to that i would argue but like the truth is that in you know the world of physicality that we live in, is anyone actually creating anything new? You know, it's a tough. Right. How yeah. how Kohelis of you, right? Ecclesiastes, right? <laughs> exactly. Nothing, nothing's new. Uh, we're all we're, we're all just repeating the same stuff. Exactly. Oh, it's so good to have a rabbi here. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, like so I think the so the bigger so so that's why a lot of people <laughs> argue that w- that what creativity is is combining two mm. things together, um, right. and especially two things that we're not used to thinking of as going together. Yeah. So, so I, wow, you just like revealed uh, you unintentionally yeah. revealed how creative you are. Oh, there, yeah, so that's really um, cool. Because like uh, I love putting together like classes and shirim on like whatever TV show in Torah. Like I right. think a lot like yeah. your initial idea of pop chassid yeah. as it's evolved to something else, um, which so, is also great, but but different than that. Um, but like, you know, finding things in TV shows that like, you know, fit or purposely don't fit with like some right. halachic idea or some Jewish idea or, uh, you know, some idea in that week's Torah portion. Um, love doing that. Wow. From the pulpit, but it also, it, it it's like a lot more work because <laughs> not only do you need to like figure out the door idea, you need to figure out the TV idea also. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really fun. It's like really fun to do because uh, you're really like putting two things that really don't inherently make sense together, and just like seeing how they fit or don't fit. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah, is that like one of your favorite things to do? Like that that sort of class? Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot of work, but like I had a whole like series that I called Netflix and Sheer, um, <laughs> where I just like picked it like an episode of TV <laughs> show. Yeah, yeah. I was I was at first debating if it was like <laughs> it was like whoever gets that will think it's funny. Whoever right. doesn't get it won't think it's funny. Fun. <laughs> um, and. Um, Guys, this is why I go to this shul. <laughs> cool rabbi. Yeah, congregation cool Israel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, but uh, essentially, um, the idea was to, you know, just see like what episode of Seinfeld could make sense with with a class. So like, mm-hmm. we had a whole share whether or not if Festivus was a real holiday, like could you celebrate it? Like was that okay? <laughs> like was it more like Christmas or or more like, uh, I don't know, Thanksgiving or something like that? Mm. Um, there's a whole episode of The Office that's about gossip. So we talked yes. about uh, like to what extent is Lush and Hara portrayed well in that episode or is it not? Yeah. Um, different parts of the episode, they actually changed their definition of gossip throughout. So really? Like, my, so Michael Scott's definition of gossip is really close, at least I think. Is this the um, one where he intentionally spreads false rumors? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right, right. Yeah, you're speaking um, to the right guy about this. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought that one up. But like, it was like a whole bunch of them. There's a West Wing episode about privacy. So mm. like, is there a right to privacy in Judaism? Because that was what that episode was about. Mm. Um, I mean, I did about 10 of these. So it was, it was yeah. really fun. Um, and I did the same type of thing in Josh Show, you know? Spoke all about superheroes this past week because yeah. we had Jewish Comic Con going on, um, but uh, you know I, I really like doing that type of stuff. It's it's fun. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? Um, so what what uh, what do you th- what do you like besides your own personal desire to do to do that? Right. Yeah. Like what do you feel like you is gained from from that? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, I think so often um, it's when we talk about like Torah and other pursuits, like it's talked in a very high-minded way. Mm. Like it's talked about like when Ravon Lichtenstein talks about it, it's like talked about like in a very high-minded, like high literature, like, Mm. you know, classical works and how that can enhance your, your ability to be a human being and 
enhance your being, ability to be a Jew. And when the Rav talks about it, it's like this high-minded idea of like science and logic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's true on like a lower level also. Um, I think it's true like that um, that TV somewhat limited by some level of appropriateness. <laughs> but um, but TV really has enhanced my ability to understand people, understand the world, and understand the world in which Torah is lived. Um, I definitely saw that while I was dating. Um, some mm. of these shows, like um, How I Met Your Mother or Parks and Recreation, are like amazing. Because <laughs> um, uh, my wife is not... I like. She's not the same as Leslie Note, but like <laughs> there's like a bunch of similarities there. Um, so she loved Parks. Um, but like the idea kind of is to say, is to admit that like on some level there's something basic in human in, in, mm. in, ex, in these expressions and it's something we can learn from and mm-hmm. it's something we can learn from as Jews. And that shouldn't be separate from our Judaism. It can be enhanced, it can enhance our Judaism. It can be part of it as well. Um, so I really don't mind combining those two. And I think it's almost important. It's important to, to lay claim that like when I'm sitting and watching a basketball game, I'm not just sitting and watching a basketball game. I'm like tr- seeing what it means to compete and what it means to strive for greatness mm. and what it means to um, give it your all and what it means to, you know, um, be under pressure and how to like do better under pressure, you know, like all those types of things I think are inherent value systems and inherent value things we can gain. And I don't feel like I'm like wasting time mm. when I'm watching like the NBA playoffs just cause it's on. Um, but like, or, or some TV shows, um, some, I might be wasting my time, <laughs> but like for the, for yeah. the vast majority, I, I really don't see it that way. I, I really see it as like an inherent value judgment, like in line with like that, whatever modern Orthodox means, mm-hmm. but like that, that, uh, combining of two different things that really doesn't naturally fit, um, but can be fitted. Um, to say that like it's inherent and it's an inherent goal to like exist in the world that we live in and to learn from the world we live in. And I think I, we do that from even pop culture sometimes. Yeah. It's uh, so interesting because I felt like I had like a major like light bulb moment where I was like when you were talking because it feels to me like, you know, I feel like you kind of articulated why creativity is so important to living a Jewish life, because if we really believe, like, or really, I mean, any religion, but I'd like, let's stick with what we know, but like, mm-hmm. that <laughs> if you really believe in this thing that is, uh, like, in theory, encompassing the whole world, right, which is, like, it's a way of thinking, it's a way of living, it's a way of experiencing life, then, like, you know, and I think this is something that the Hasidim really get, but they, it's also they've cre- created an, an environment that, that makes it more conducive to, to thinking this way. But basically this idea that to- Torah and Hashem, especially obviously are all encompassing, right? right? So if you can only see Torah when you're reading Gomorrah, like, or uh, studying, you know, studying Torah or, or talking, you know, Torah or, or at shul, like if you can only see Hashem and, 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 and Torah in those experiences and you don't see them, in whether it's Netflix or walking down the street right. or or anything, then then you're you've you've created a, a, a 
a polarity. Right. You know, You've created experience. different pieces to your personality almost and saying right. like, um, some things are, I'm Jewish in some places and I'm not Jewish in others. And right. it's not really how like identity works. It's not how, um, I definitely don't think how this has traditionally gone, mm-hmm. um, how we've been, we've been Jews living in the world and for thousands of years at this point and, um, how, what that's looked like has looked different depending on where, mm. where we are and what cultural, um, culture we, we're, we're in. And to say that, um, certain things aren't Jewish, I think is unfair. Like, I think mm. everything can be, can either be Jewish or be looked at through a Jewish lens. Yeah. And I think what's, what's interesting to me about in terms of like creativity is that, or the creative thinking is that, you know, this idea of being able to combine two things, right? Like, is that the truth is that I think a lot, like most, almost all Jews would would kind of agree with that sentiment, but I think it's very hard to live it. Like, it's very hard to be able to, you know, I think, sit and watch, you know, a basketball game and and think like, oh, I'm having a Jewish experience right now or whatever, or, or, you know, um, be able to like study a piece of Torah and be like, Oh, this, this reminds me of this thing in Netflix, <laughs> you know, and like, and actually allowing it to help you gain insight is what I mean. Right, like right, not, not yeah. in a like mundane way, but in a way that elevates, you you know, and like, I think that, I guess what my point is that, that, that creativity is what bridges that gap because if we're only thinking logically, then we're going to constantly try and for, you know, that's why we see so much, um, like, I think artificial attempts to, to combine these things, like, and not, not genuine, like really believing, like really right. believing that I see Torah in this thing or I see Hashem in this thing. Right. I, yeah. I don't, I don't want to pretend like every, like, like every second that I'm watching a TV show, I'm like thinking. Sam, we know, we know like, that you are <laughs> tzaddik. <laughs> but what I, what I mean is yeah. like, I, I think it, it makes you a more whole person and it makes you a more whole Jew. And like, it might not right. be every second. It might not even be every moment, but it might come later. Like right. it might, it, it might happen later where you're like, oh my gosh, this Gemara that I'm I'm learning actually related to that episode of like, um, I don't know, whatever show you're watching, <laughs> but like, um, you know, that I saw last week and like, it really relates and totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. And like that, I feel like that happens more than people give it credit for or it can happen more than you give it credit for. You just kind of really need to do both. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like, people tend to not do that. Um, they tend to have this either have this ideal and end up watching or doing other things and don't end up actually sitting down and learning. Um, or they mm. tend to like not care about like the world that they're in and just spend all their time learning. Um, mm. Those choices of doing both tend to not happen as much. Yeah. Um, it's easier for them to happen when you've when you have two jobs, one of which is in the world and one of them which is in, <laughs> in Judaism. Mm. Um, um, just for everyone listening, I'm an actuary during the week. Um, for those that don't know what that is, um, that's the majority of people. Um, but it's like the math behind insurance, essentially. Um, and um, and I'm a rabbi in the weekend. Um, but like when you have both of those things, you're kind of forced to look at, look at two things um, at the same time. Um, and most people aren't forced to do that. Like they have their job and maybe they go to Shul and Shabbos, but like they're not they're not forced to. Um, like I have to prepare for Joshua and, mm. you know, put together expense reports the same day. You know, that type of thing. That's so interesting. So in a way, you know, I guess we, we like to think that 
you know, it would be ideal for you to work full-time as a rabbi, but in a sense, you're also kind of given a lot of strengths by living in two, in two experiences. Yeah. Um, so I, that might be like a go later on, but I think this has been a really great experience for all, for a bunch of reasons for that one, mm. um, because I think it's inherently valuable and it's honestly what traditionally was done. Like most mm. like rabbis had other jobs. Like it wasn't like a, like this idea of like a professionalized pulpit is like super new. It's probably not even really a Jewish idea, mm. um, but like um, it's not, I mean, new relatively, I should say. <laughs> but, like, it's not, like, the old classic idea, right? All the Rishonim, all the early commentaries were, like, like made wine or were doctors or, or whatever. Um, and they did other things as their careers. Um, but I think on top of that, I think it makes me a better rabbi uh, because I really get – I feel like I get more what, like, people are going through. And it's, like, actually – change choices that I've made, like in terms of davening times, like I understand, literally, I actually understand how hard it is to get home and then get out to shul mm. when you have a little kid. Wow. Like I understand that like in a different way than I feel like most of my rabbinic peers do. Um, I'll still have that if I end up leaving the job though. <laughs> um, yeah. but, but I think it's good experience, honestly. Wow. That's really cool. Um, I was, I was also interested, I guess, like in, you know, I think, I think it was you, we were, I think it was you that I was speaking about this with, um, at Shul, where I was saying like, one of the interesting things about Kholisrael is like, that part of the reason it's so open to people is that it's so like it has a feeling of normalcy. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Was that you? I was speaking about that with. I think it might be. <laughs> but what do you mean by normalcy? Like in the sense Intensely. that what what I find funny about you know like I I spend so much time writing about my dissatisfaction with the Orthodox world, and a lot of that stems from experiences I had like right. in living in Crown Heights, especially and stuff like that. But the, the irony is that the reason that I love Kol Yisrael is because, um, because I just go there and I just feel normal. And I'm, even though I'm writing all these crazy things, like I just come in and I'm just treated like everyone else. Like, you know, and, um, and also there's not, you know, when I was in the Hasidic world, there was kind of like a lot of heavy expectation that, and, and I don't want to make this sound like that's what everyone's experience is like. I'm just saying my experience was that it, if I wasn't going towards an idealistic, an ideal of what a chassid was, then, then I was kind of a danger in a sense to hmm. the people in the shul. Not even my writing; it was just the way right. I was living, and um, and this idea of just being welcomed, you know. Like, and the point being that, like, I think that in my experience, unfortunately, I feel like, and I think a lot of people's experience, sadly, is that there's a feeling of abnormalcy to. Uh, their experience being religious sometimes mm. like not, not necessarily in every way. It's not like they're all having a horrible time. I'm not right. saying that, but like, I think that there's always something that's kind of feels off or they don't feel completely welcomed or there's something, some sort of tension. And, and, right. and, and it's, it's rare in a sense to just feel normal. <laughs> and so I think that's what I find fascinating about cholesterol is because it's, it's, you know, like when, for, I'll give you an example is that, when uh, the other day I was, I'm in this Facebook group where it's like from and off the derrick people in discussion. Cool. Um, very cool group and very interesting. Um, and one of the people commented like, or they put a post up and they asked, um, is there like a place for LGBT 
people like in the from world, you know, and I kind of, you know, I, I wrote this comment like, you know, you're always welcome in my house. And then also like, you know, my shul is very open and welcoming to, to, this, uh, to the LGBT community. And, and I realized that that's like one of the things that was commented is like, that's a rare thing, right. you know, like to be gay and to feel welcome at shul, like, you know, right. So, but, I, I, but it's not yeah. that you're, I just wanted to say one more thing is yeah, that it's not ahead. like you are an activist shul. It's right. just that the, it's just that there's nothing, if someone was openly gay there, they wouldn't feel unwelcome, is what I mean. I, mean. I hope so. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I can't yeah. speak for everyone, but I'm just... Uh, so uh, I think, because when I explain what the show is like, yeah. I, I kind of say, imagine a 90-year-old shul that was in the middle of like Iowa or Kansas, or Kansas, mm. like was just plopped in the middle of Brooklyn. <laughs> because like, yeah, usually, that's so true. usually those shuls are, are filled with people that are there not because of the community. Mm. Like in the New York area, you're usually in the place you're in because you identify with that community. So like if you're in Teaneck, you're like modern Orthodox. And if you're in Borough Park, you're you're Hasidic. If you're in Williamsburg, you're Samer or Hipster. And <laughs> um, but like, you know, you you know, you kind of find your community for like purposely um, in more in like the Midwest, let's say. It's usually not how it works. It's usually more. Um, you find it because that's the job you found is there, or your wife's job is there, or or right. or whatever, um, or your partner's job is there, um, or you really like the school and you want to send your kids there, something like that. And so you're not, no one's there for the same reason. So you get like a whole like much more eclectic mm. um, group. And for whatever reason, mm. like Colesville's kind of been like that, where like. No one's kind of there for the same reason. Everyone's just there because, like, the area is cool, but they're not moving because, like, they want to be in this exact type of shul, which gives it this, like, charming feel, I mm. think, um, where where it's, like, almost super down to earth in the sense that, like, no one's judging anyone else because, like, they don't want to be judged either because, like, <laughs> everyone's kind of different mm. and, like, everyone can kind of just come as they are. Right. And they don't. Um, they don't need to, they don't need to like come up to some ideal that isn't real anyways. Um, but they're not trying to be like the ultimate modern Orthodox person, let's say, mm -hmm. um, they're trying to just be the, a better themselves. Um, and I think, I don't know, I've like thought about this a lot cause I used to do more, more Kiruvi type stuff. If mm. we want to use that word, like NCSY, I did like a lot of NCSY as a, as a college student. Um, but like, I didn't want shul to kind of feel that way um i wanted it to feel like we're just getting people more like the goal isn't to like even i i think there is like some goal of making people more religious um but like not on my mm -hmm. schema right on like their like what they're looking to move to mm -hmm. um and if in the end of the day closure is not what they're looking for that's fine mm. um like i i don't like, you know, I'm not trying to, um, I want people to want to be there. Um, and I'm not like trying to like force it on them. Mm -hmm. Um, I want them to like want to almost force it on themselves a little bit. Um, but I wanted me to do that for myself mm. also. So I don't really see that as like a make people more from, it's like making pe people more like religiously conscious and, um, tradition focused. Um, and that would be true for myself and for my own family also. Um, and it's not like a trying to people make people that aren't religious religious. Like that's not uh, mm -hmm. um, just trying to make everyone 
like more in touch with their Judaism kind of thing. So I hope I hope that comes across. I guess it does come across because you seem to be saying that it comes across. I think it comes across more even than you realize. Like in the sense that I feel like because a lot of what you're describing is like the environmental aspects of it, and then I mean Mm -hmm. like the last part that you described was was more your intention. But like, but I feel like for like I do think like that, and that's I guess kind of even my point is it's almost like it's hard to create. I think a situation in which there's a feeling of just um i think you know like uh how they say like a good leader i think they say about good leaders maybe or good teachers yeah good like a good like a a good leader is one in a sense that you don't notice as mm-hmm. much like a person who's who's making things work like you know and in general when something is effective we don't notice Right. The things are working, you like, know. Like if somebody makes a, a, you know, a website for for creative people, and <laughs> you know, on the website you can't tell who's in charge of it, but uh, <laughs> that type of thing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Good. That sounds familiar. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, I think. I mean, I think that's the. I hope. Yeah. That's actually. Yeah, I think like what I try to do with that, but I think that's also my point is like that. I think. Um. Yeah, someone someone described to me an experience they had where uh they were they were at a meeting where it was about how do we become more inclusive inclusive of women in our shul. Right. And I believe that the person like the person described how in that meeting it was it was so like the idea being like it was kind of like an activist sort of thing. Like they were trying right. to make sure that they were including women more and all these things. And in that meeting, the it was person like all noticed men, all men talking. Right, it was all yeah. men talking. Okay, right. And, um, Classic. Yeah, and I thought <laughs> that was really, and I was, and I thought that was really interesting because to me it reminded me of so much of what, um, you know, is kind of like on the other end of things when people are talking about acceptance and we don't realize how much of that really means. Just like it's not necessarily about doing something out there all the time it's just about creating a home for people right you know yeah and i've i've really i've tried to do as much as possible like uh it's almost like reading the room but like on a bigger scale like i'm like less interested in like making political points Mm. um actually i'm not interested in making political points um and i'm more interested in just making sure the people that are there feel comfortable and so whatever that means um that might mean um, within certain constraints, obviously. Um, but uh, the goal isn't to like be the shul that does X. It's what is, what do the people in my shul want? Mm. You know, like that's the bigger question. And what, it, or slash, what do the people in my shul need? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes they might not know it <laughs> and I, I might not know it, but, right. um, you know, trying to figure that out is, is the bigger question. And so like, I'm much more interested in, in seeing that. Um, so whenever I have those type of questions, like when we made the new Mechitza, you, you, you weren't, you, you joined after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, like women made it mm-hmm. or, or, and chose the fabric and chose what it would look like. And, mm-hmm. um, I, they just asked me for guidelines on how tall it needed to be and things like that um, and where it could be and like those type of questions, um, but not, it was very much um, from them. Um, Cause I'm sorry. I, I laughed about that concept because it, it really is crazy um, when you're trying to service a population to like, like the whole point is trying to get their voice mm-hmm. and like to not 
give them their voice in trying to get their voice is, is like, it's almost like comically absurd. <laughs> um, but it tends to happen, unfortunately. Yeah. And I guess that's kind of what I mean. Like, I, yeah. And then what I, I feel like is, because I guess kind of my point is I went, if, they, if we take that to the, like it's logical conclusion, then that means that we're ultimately going to create space for people that in other places don't have space. Like, and by doing that, it's in its of itself, um, uh, it's abnormal in its normalcy. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, by just being like, I'm here for you, whoever you are, in a sense, like it it allows for anything. Yeah. And so any anything it takes it, away like what's normal. Right. Like, like it's it's essentially says what's normal is that you're a person. <laughs> you know? Right. And and you have different needs than other people. Right. Um and that's true for everyone. Um and not everyone fits an exact prototype and that's okay. And that's not expected and that shouldn't be expected. Yeah. Uh, wow. That's really cool. And it's just so funny to me. It's just like it's so simple and yet and yet we we inhabit a world and it's not just you know i don't want to make it all about orthodox Judaism. i just yeah, think yeah, sure. it's just we inhabit a world where in general you know where we they did a recent study that you know people are feeling lonelier and lonelier you know they're feeling more and more isolated it's we're right. feeling more and more combative with each other right. <laughs> i'm sure like i'm bowling alone i don't know if you've read that book <clears throat> no, I've heard of it though. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the the concept is about people like joining less groups. The idea is that people tend to bowl alone. Right. Because they used to go in leagues. Yeah, right? exactly. Right, right, right. Yeah. I happen to like bowling alone. That's, <laughs> that's a separate topic. That's so funny. It's like, I guess it's an introvert thing. Yeah, that's so funny because um, I, I talk about like how I love to go to movies alone. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> love go. it. Yeah. So, like, I'll, I'll, when I was in Teaneck, so they had this like one night a week where it was like 50 cents per game. So I would just go and like pay, play ten games and leave. Wow! And like I always felt weird next to the like you know like <laughs> yeah. the group of friends that were playing. I was just like going, but it's so fun. Yeah. You know, you don't have to wait for anyone. It's amazing. It's so funny. Yeah, this is such a tangent, but I love this <laughs> <laughs> just because I I uh, yeah. It was yesterday I went to. I'm totally going to take us on a tangent. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> uh, yesterday I went to a special. I'm going to write about this for every. I'm actually oh, really nice. excited about okay. this, but I went to. Do you know the movie Walking Walk Hard, Dewey no. Cox story? No, no. So it's this comedy. It came out in 2007 with, uh, what's his name? Um, John C. Riley. Okay. And where it's kind of like a, it's a, a parody of um, movies like, uh, what's the name of that movie? Like basically the bio, biopics of like famous musicians. Like, mm. um, is especially because I think at that time it was like right after the the movie about um, Johnny Cash had come out. I forgot what the name of that was. Okay. But yeah. um, and so what's interesting about that movie? First of all, the movie is amazing. It's so good. So I'm just saying that, okay. and it's so underappreciated. That's what you're plugging. Yeah, so <laughs> that's what this is about. <laughs> no, my point is like it was very underappreciated. I felt, and a lot all of right. people feel like there's a certain group of people that are like this movie is underappreciated. It's a great movie, and and what's interesting about it is it's both hilarious and the music in it is amazing. Like really well done. Cool. Um, to the point where they actually won awards for the music. Nice. Um. And so when I went to this event yesterday, um, it was uh, completely, uh, it was full of people like me, like, like <laughs> that had not, 
had that experience of right. like like where we're all like we love this movie and we're looking for other people that love this movie. <laughs> That's <laughs> it's awesome. Like such yeah. a good experience. Right. Um, yeah. So anyway, it was such a fun experience. But what was so funny also was just like I was there alone and I loved it so much. But I also felt like a weirdo, like laughing yeah. so hard, uh, <laughs> like by myself. <laughs> I, th- I <laughs> it think was so interesting. So we, we had Jewish Comic Con this past week at Kol uh-huh. Um, which we've been hosting and running, really, um, which has been a crazy experience and hilarious yeah. on multiple levels. Never thought I'd be the rabbi of a shul that, uh, that hosted Jewish Comic-Con. Even somebody from my hometown came. And they're like, oh, you came all the way from TNAC too? I was like, no, I'm the rabbi here. It was amazing. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was totally filled with people like that. They were just like looking for other Jewish people that oh. like loved comics. Wow. And they found like 150 people there. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some people that flew in from like Toronto or flew in from um, like Tampa Bay. Really? Uh, yeah. There were people that really like came for it, wow. um, which was awesome. Um, and it really f- was filled with that. And I think it's kind of what we were talking about before, like... Uh, like that should be okay. Like that should be an important value. Like Jews can like be mm. invested in comics also. And a lot of what the panels were about was about like Jewish influences into comics and, mm. and Jewish ideas from comics, like how it can be integrated more um, than you would think than just like going to watch the most recent Avengers movie or something. Yeah. Wow, I'm so grateful that you got us back on track because yeah, I was going go. off. And- <laughs> <laughs> but we, I didn't. That I didn't get back on track on what we were actually talking about. That's true, then. but at least we're like in the realm <laughs> of like, <laughs> um, that's that's really interesting. So I think like, that's so cool actually. Like, And I think, I, I'm curious how Jewish Comic Con came about because it's actually interesting because it sounds like what you're doing is, although you could maybe make all these constructs about like Jewish creativity and this sort of thing where you, it sounds like, I don't know how it came about, so I'm yeah. curious about it. But does what what's cool about it is that you didn't just try and do something cool. Like it was actually like a, an actual need, right. like that people actually have. Yeah, they, uh, it was, I mean, essentially, there was a guy that used to, used to come show. He's moved to California mm-hmm. um, like a year ago, maybe um, for Brees, um, for Brees Sapolsky. He he like wrote for Spider Man for a, mm. for a couple of years, which is really cool, oh, right. um, and. Um, he was just like, you know, there's no Jewish Comic-Con. And we were already doing, like, the Brooklyn Jewish Art Gallery. We were already having, like, Jewish artists come in. Mm-hmm. So, like, it wasn't such a jump from there. Because, like, once you're having artists come in, why not have comic book artists come in? Yeah. Um, so we've been having these art galleries. And so he was like, why don't we make a Jew, uh, like, a comic book art thing? And it just, he said that to Fred, the president. And, like, it exploded out from there. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, we were having all these people, Um like she she got the flu, but like the first woman to work on Wonder Woman was supposed to come this year, wow. um, so she couldn't make it. Unfortunately, Doctor Ruth um, uh, came because yeah. there's a graphic novel about her life, which was crazy. She you know? she wrote it, right? Um, I th- she had like helped write it. I'm not oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, but like, yeah, it was like all these different like you know famous but like famous in the comic book world people like not necessarily people i would have heard of but like people that are invested in this like would have actually known about it like exploded um it was crazy um and it was just like one lead led to another lead all of a sudden we were having 10 10 panels throughout the day like all these uh like artist gallery upstairs it was it was really cool Mm. it was really awesome that's so cool i just think that's so interesting because i um one of the things i always um I see a lot of times, um, especially because I think something that's underappreciated is how building a community is a creative act as well, I think. Like, 
Um, because, I mean, especially if you're trying to build something that's, uh, you know, like I actually think this desire to fill needs is like right, right. connected to that. But I, I think something that's really underappreciated is how, you know, like this isn't just, you know, putting down, um, you know, just getting like marketing and these sorts of things. Like there's actually a lot of, of creativity that goes into the experience. And I yeah. feel like one of the things that people miss, I think in that when they're, when they're trying, cause I, like I've started to enter this world of like people trying to build organic communities, you know, cause of Hevria mm -hmm. and that I noticed that a lot of people have a lot of beautiful visions, but they're not necessarily connected to the needs of the people they're trying to serve, to fill, right. you know? And I think that's what's so cool about like Jewish Comic Con. It's such a good example of like yeah. both amazing and compelling and also something that people really want. Like right. it's not just a cool idea. Like, yeah. And I think it's one cool thing about this job is just because of the diversity in, mm. in not just collegial, but like the whole Prospect Heights, Crown Heights area mm. um, has really like given me avenues to try and do that. Right. Um, so I started noticing that there's no... Parsha podcasts. Right. So I guess I'm going to plug this now. I was going to plug it later. Nice. But I started noticing that there are no Parsha podcasts. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, just people talk talking about the Parsha and not being like super frontal. Mm. If you like go on a podcast app and you mm. like look for Parsha, like they're all like just frontal shears, right? Mm -hmm. They're mostly on very high levels um, for somebody that's either new or converting or recently religious or not religious. Um, it's just like either too too high or not what they're interested in. Mm. Um, so um, I'm actually starting one. I recorded the first episode only oh, yeah? um, so far, mm. but starting one in Parsha Bab Midbar um, in like a month, I guess, at this point, less than a month, um, called In the Padsha. Nice. Which is fun. Um, and um, it's so just you're putting be... your uh, skills, what is it called? Your pun skills. Exactly. There you go. Yeah. Um, got a really cool logo ma made where it's like a Torah, but like it's uh -huh. like putting sound waves out. Oh, cool. Um, nice. And um, and the and kind of the concept is to try and fill that need. Like I wouldn't have ever thought of that because mm. I don't need that. Right. Mm. I don't I don't even need that. I don't really need to hear people just talking about I can listen to one of those shares. Yeah. And um I can go on like YU Torah, let's say, or or yeah. or uh, any of the other websites that that have these type of things, and I can just listen to something. Um, but I started realizing it's just not accessible to a lot of people, not because they're not smart enough, um, but just because it's not being, it's not for them. Mm. You know, there's too many terms that are just being thrown around. There's too much like assumed background knowledge. I mean, I think I feel at that time sometimes too. I just assume too much background knowledge, but not on purpose, just because. I grew up religious my whole life, so it's hard to know what's background and what's not. But uh, but you know, trying not to do that, to try and make it accessible to somebody that, uh, let's say, only started to coming to a synagogue like two months ago. Mm. You know, because we have a lot more of that than I would have thought. Mm. Oh, so it's interesting. So you're saying like you're creating partly because of what you've seen at Shul. Yeah. Oh, I and see. Uh, like specifically, like I do, I do like a basics of Judaism class that like doubles mm -hmm. as a like a conversion class of sorts. Mm -hmm. um, and they were asking me like, what can I like? Because we talk about the parsha for a little bit each week, but like, yeah. what what can we what can I listen to? And I was just like, I don't know. Mm. Like, 
uh, like there's Jonathan Sachs is pretty good for that type of thing because he's just an excellent speaker. Um, yeah. But it, that's still only like one person's voice. Right. Um, there's really not so much that's like accessible and insightful. Um, most of it is one of the one or the other. <laughs> right. Right? It's either like super dumbed down, right. which is which is great too. Um, there's like a need for that, and it's like really level A Judaism. I would. And there's like level G Judaism or whatever, you know, like yeah. really high, high level. And there's like, there's like a, there's a gap. Yeah. So I'm trying to see how I can fill that gap. I remember um, when, yeah, that's so cool. Cause I, I think that it's, it's cool to just hear how these ideas germinate for you because I think right. it's like that it's just cool that each one came from like people asking you for something, not from like, like that's, that's really, um, it's really beautiful, I think. Right. Like, but I, but I think most most yeah. ideas, uh, most ideas come that way. Um, at least, you think so? It might sometimes be something you need. Right. I think that That's happens true. a lot. Um, I don't know. There's another podcast called "How I Built This," which I love. <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, you should. Yeah. But uh, it's like uh, this guy Roz interviews like all these different who's like on every podcast now. Mm. Um, but like uh, interviews like big companies like I don't know. Like, oh, right, it's like a startup podcast, right? Yeah, or, but like the, in, all things that are already huge, right? Like yeah. uh, Whole Foods or Warby Parker or Ben and Jerry's and things like that. Like, mm. um, and like almost always, it's a bunch of people were asking me for this and I could do it, and then I realized I could do it and I could fill that need. Or I really like ice cream, and there wasn't any good ice cream nearby. You know, it's like mm. usually I feel like good ideas are come out of that. Right, and, good ideas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come out yeah, of like a need, a need that's already there instead of the other way around. Just like, oh, this would be good. I can do this well. Right. Like that's usually not the answer. Right. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because you see that a lot in startups. Like the new startups that you hear about, a lot of times they're cool ideas or right. like exciting ideas. And then they just kind of fail because um, the there's kind of like this lack of awareness of that ultimately it's about coming from a place of need, you know, right. coming from a place of like, how can I, how can I give something of value to others? Right. You know? So that's the positive side. The more cynical side is that like, like ideas are only useful to how they're useful to other people and how much money they can make. But, mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, <laughs> but either way, I think it's essentially the same idea, right? It's essentially the same idea of trying to, trying to fill needs instead of like trying to be grandiose and just assume you know better. Yeah. Uh, type thing. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, it's interesting. I guess like if you're looking at purely from like a startup perspective, then I guess you could say it like in that in that sort of way. But I think, um, you know, at the same time, it's like if someone opens a food uh, a soup kitchen or whatever, like that place is going to be filled with people, yeah. e even though it's not going to make them any money. It's going to make them right, lose sure. money unless they can right, raise right, right. the money. Um, so I guess there's different ways of measuring need. I think right for sure. Um, Anyway, I'm just kind of thinking aloud, but that's uh, yeah. I just think like the, the the essence of the of the idea I think is really really important for people to understand. And I think and what's interesting is like I think creativity is maybe more on the like it can be it's kind of a balance of them, but I think like it's, a lot of creativity comes from the inner need. You know, like I have to express this thing, and then ultimately there's other people that identify just like with the sounds like the Ben right. and Jerry's story. Yeah. Uh, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of going at right. it. The other You're way. going the other way. Yeah. The other way. And I, I don't know. I kind of always saw Shul as being like that. 
Yeah. Um, I guess it's a community is yeah, kind of built like that. But in the end of the day, like I'm not, I don't represent right. the closer community. Really, the people, the you know, the members uh, or whatever, the people that go there every week represent the community. Um, at least half, you know, if yeah. not more than half. Um, yeah, and th- this actually came up this past week because uh, YU was running like a giving day promotion, mm-hmm. um, and they used one of my pictures as like one of the things. Uh-huh. Um, it's been on every page on YU Tour actually. Now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it's still up there, nice. um, but like it was in the YU to goes, which was crazy, mm-hmm. and I didn't even know it. It was just there, <laughs> um, and um, like I don't know. I don't. I don't see it that way. I like don't see it as like me coming in and fixing everything. It's like totally not my role. Mm. And roles way like way more to facilitate. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting because I um was learning about oh I was I had this discussion I got we got recently into like that program called Hakel. Um, did I tell you about that? No. So Hakel, I guess you should tell everyone listening yeah. to that Hakel is like this really cool program that's specifically for intentional communities that are being built in the diaspora, cool. like Jewish communities. Okay. Um, and. What's cool about it is it's this program. It's like maybe they give you a little grant money, but the idea is more kind of coaching. And the first discussion I had after I got after we got accepted was, um, I had put they they ask you to like measure or to estimate what the different kinds of people in your community are are are, are how they how how those numbers are going to grow over time. So they had you know different categories. One of them was core, like it was essentially like leaders, um, and. I kind of thought, okay, we're, right now we're like a five, and I think you know at some point maybe we'll hit ten, and then that'll be it. Like we'll be mm. so. I kind of went from like in the first year from five to ten, and just kept it flat. Right. And the guy, when I spoke to him, he was like, he kind of pointed that out, and he's like, you know, I was really interested in why you did that. And I said, well, it seems kind of weird to have like to go beyond that amount of leaders because, um, like ultimately it's going to be like too many cooks and that sort of thing. And he said, you know, that may be true, like, for a company or something like that. But when you're building a community, the truth is that more people, more and more people are going to be want, want to become empowered. Like, right. they're going to want to be given more of a role, more of a role, more of a role. Um, and he said, something that happens is <laughs> um, that, and, and it is interesting because I've actually gone through this uh, in, in other scenarios, uh, is that about, like, at a two-year, two- or three-year point, a lot of these communities that start from scratch, they kick out the leader. The person Hmm. who had the vision actually gets kicked out because unfortunately the person very often, because what, what gave them the strength at the beginning, which was the inner vision became a, Something a a hindrance because they're so committed to their inner vision that they forget that now it's about the people who've actually kind of flocked to me and flocked to what I'm building. Interesting. Yeah. And I thought, and it reminded me of experiences I've had. It also reminded me of how we built Nishamas, for example, which right. was like that there was like an expressed... All of a sudden, you know, we were kind of turning down all these articles, all the people that wanted to be anonymous. And we kept telling them, like, you shouldn't be anonymous. Like, don't be anonymous. Try and, you know, put out pieces. And then it was just a constant demand from us. Hmm. And we had this vision. Like, right. Hebria is this place where we come out as who we are and we tap into what we do and, and we, we try to build a productive world and, and these sorts of things. And then... But you made something, like, new. You yeah. You just incorporated into Hebria. Like, you right. kind of, like, said, like, 
Right. No, this is important also. Right, exactly. Right. But it was only because it was like a demand right. that we had to fill, or we felt like we were the only ones that could fill. Yeah. Um, but it was the first time, I think, in Hebrea's online existence where we were like, oh, we're not just doing what our vision is. We're doing what other people's visions right. are. Um, and that was really interesting. But I think you're, you are hitting at it at Hebrea. You just You're just like, oh, people want something else also. Let's do that too. Right. And I think that's similar to like what we were doing like with the art gallery, let's say. Mm-hmm. Like the core of the shul obviously is, is is synagogue functions and like holidays and stuff like that. Um, but that doesn't mean that if artists want to make an art gallery, like we should facilitate, if we can facilitate that too, we should. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not separate from the shul, but it's also not the same. Right. Mm-hmm. It's also not... Uh, it's kind of its own entity. It has its own vision. Mm-hmm. Oh, it even um, has its own Facebook page, right? Right, it even has its own Facebook page. <laughs> Brooklyn Jewish Art Even Gallery. though um, the same people are admins of both, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> same thing with the show. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, like they, they're connected inherently, I think, because I think it's important to say that like a shul should be for everyone and it shouldn't only be, doesn't need to only be for um, for like prayer and, and learning mm-hmm. that should be its core that should be its main fun, main function but it doesn't mean like artists aren't welcome there too um and it doesn't mean comic book fans aren't welcome there too you know like saying that and you, not just welcome but specifically serve right like I don't, it should yeah. be for them also right. and i think that's what you're saying here like um every should be also for people right. that can't put their name on it right and so we're gonna make a site for them right which is awesome Really yeah. Cool. Yeah. I think I just, and I think it really taught me a lesson of like, oh, this isn't just about me anymore. <laughs> you know what I'm right. saying? This isn't just about my vision. Um, because I think, uh, at least, at least I think for, especially for people who lean more towards like trusting their inner vision and especially people like me who are control freaks, I'm kind of like the opposite of you. Like that all my ideas come from like the inner like okay, need cool. that I yeah. felt like I had. I'm very, I'm a very selfish giver <laughs> because like I create the things that I, I'm like, why isn't this in the world? It's like this needs to be made. Um, and so it was like one of the moments where I really understood, oh, okay. Like now that I'm doing this, like I need to also be paying attention to what's going on around me. Right. You know? And I think that, that, that goes back, I mean, to, to something we were talking about before, right? Like, uh, like the goal of building communities to to service people and to make people feel at home. Right. And if you're have some high mind division and you're not doing that, then like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like what's the, like, what's the value? Yeah. It's kind of like, um, you know, for, if, if we're too, too, uh, what's the word? I like, uh, too in the, in the world of like a, to get to get into Hasidic terminology, mm-hmm. like the world of Atzilus. Like if I'm up in, in the mm-hmm. higher realms, right. like there may be a lot of truth there. There may be a lot of power there. But like if not everyone's going to be able to join me there, like right. I'm going to have to in some way bring either bring it down or bring myself down and, and start to kind of connect below. Right. And I've, I've always felt that like almost like Jewish law functions in that way. Uh, right. I, yeah. I think we've we've talked about this before, I think. Have we? Have, I'm not sure. Um, but like that it's, I, I think some people really feel like almost like if there's a rabbinic will, there's a rabbinic way, some, that type of thing. But mm-hmm. like, like that rabbis have power 
rabbis have all the power and they just choose what they're going to do. And, you know, everyone just kind of has to follow that. Mm. Um, I, I really don't think it functions that way. I think it functions half that way. Like, I think it's like half that. And in the end of the day, it's right. It's like the people that are following those people, right? It's in its essence, any rabbi only gets his power or that only gets their power from the people that are following them, mm-hmm. right? If they're just talking into a void, then it doesn't matter what they're saying. Like, I mean, maybe 2,000 years later, somebody will pick up their manuscript and care about it. But like right now, um, it only matters that people care what they say. Mm. Um, so it really is like at least half. I actually think it's more than half. Mm-hmm. Um, like comes from what people want in their Judaism and what people need in their Judaism and how they view this idea of tradition in life. Um, so I don't know. I like think about it a lot, like in terms of, um, in terms of like rabbinic function, I think is to like kind of meet people where they are. And you see that like really well in like a lot of like people that are answering responsa. Mm-hmm. Like you see that with uh, Ramosha Feinstein a ton where like he's answering like this person's question mm. and like he broadens it usually, but like, He's like really talking in like the land of people and not like in some ivory tower and just trying to like decide what everyone should do. Like it's not, mm. it doesn't function that way. It very much is functioning like what do, what are people already doing mm. and what have I seen that people are already doing and what, what fits with that. And so it's like, it's, it's much more of a balance. It's much more of like finding an equilibrium between like texts and rabbis and like law as it is and like people and what they feel like the law should be. Um, and it's like kind of like that wherever the, that fight falls, sometimes it's not a fight, but mm-hmm. when, wherever that fight falls is like what halacha ends up being. Do you have like a example of that? So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think there are tons of them, <laughs> um, but like uh, some, some like famous ones that are going on right now. Like I think a lot of the, like, some more common like women's issues, mm. um, let's say, um, like with women rabbis, like I think that just to be edgy, I guess right now, but like in the end of the day, like rabbis are deciding whether they think it's okay or think it's not. In the end of the day, what's going to change this is whether or not shuls hire them. Mm. You know, like that's going to decide whether or not this wins or it loses. And like if, so it's like this is kind of like in the power, it's like half in the power of rabbis but half in the power of like shul boards, mm. you know what I mean? And I think like really everything functions that way. Um, I mean, there's some like um, classic cases, like mm. uh, when Mechitza was a whole thing, right? So that is the same thing there. Like, and they're kind of like melded together where like the Orthodox people kind of decided to follow or to, to accept that as a, as a purpose. To accept what like more to accept the need for a Mechitza and shul. Uh-huh. Uh, for a partition between men and women, um, that didn't. It didn't. I'm not sure it had to end that way, mm. um, and it it did for that. Um, mm, I should have thought of better examples, um, but I think there are tons of them. I, mm. I like. Uh, um, yeah, maybe I'll think of more as time goes on. <laughs> um, yeah. But like in the end of the day, I, I mean, like the most classic example is that in the end of the day for for Ashkenazim, so they're. Or we usually follow the Ramah, not always, of Ramosha's or less. Um, and not always, but a good 75 to 90% of the time, probably, um, just to give a big range to 
make myself safe. Um, <laughs> like he's recording what people were doing and not mm. saying what people should do. Like there's some classic examples that are counter to that. Mm. Um, like how long people waited for between meat and milk. He was like very mm. machmir on that, um, uh, very strict on that. But like generally he's like, it's, it's not, he's saying what people should be doing. He's like describing mm. what people do and why that's okay or why that's not okay. Um, but like, that and that idea has like a very long history. Um, like to, the Tosafists definitely did this. Um, and there's some classic examples with like dancing on Shabbat mm. and holidays. Like the the um, the Mishnah says straight out that you're not allowed to dance and clap your hands on Shabbat and and holidays. But we dance on Simchas Torah um, and like people dance on Shabbat. Like I, this happens. People mm. clap their hands. Like, what are you talking about? And that's essentially what they say. Like, what are you talking about? It must mean something else because it can't be that way. Mm. Um, and that, uh, it's somewhat of a split between Ashkenazi, um, mm-hmm. like Eastern Europe and, um, and Sephardi, um, like the more Spanish African realm mm-hmm. um, decisors um, where Ashkenazim are very much more focused on like what people do and like that power of custom. But like that custom is defined what the adherents do, you know, and that almost matters as much as like what the rabbis think. Wow. It's so like anti-authoritarian. Yeah, it really is. And Judaism has been that way for a really long time. <laughs> I like uh, yeah. in all seriousness. I mean, and it's, and it's the I think where where people get caught up is when they want something different than what like the rabbis are saying, right? When mm-hmm. they want something changed. But like if the Jewish or if the Orthodox world, whatever that means, or even a subset of the Orthodox community decides that they want something, as long as it's not like super counter, right? Like there is some give and take, right? They you right. can't just say, um, like pig is should be kosher now and like mm-hmm. I don't care that the Torah says straight out like there's some there's like a middle ground though where like something new comes along like what do people want and what what do rabbis want and like finding that equilibrium is the rabbi's job but also the people's job and um and if they can't base theirs in jewish tradition then it's not going to fly and if the rabbis can't base their decisions on what people want it's not going to fly kind of you need to find that uh that mix. And I, so I think it relates really strongly to what you were talking about. Like, right. Of like, like the inner vision and the outer vision, like the yeah. outer needs and the inner needs. Like, and those need to like combine. Yeah. That's like the ch- sign of like mature, healthy community. community. Right. Yeah. Wow. Because and it's actually very interesting because in a sense, like usually what helps a community or a startup or whatever, like succeed at the beginning is, a very strong inner like vision, almost authoritarian yeah. kind of level of control because like no one else is going to get it except for this person. But at some point it starts to spread and then, um, and then, and then that starts to change. Yeah. Um, and that's when like, you know, community can either succeed or fail or, or break, or break apart into different and, ones. And usually I feel like it does best when it like tries to adhere to that vision pretty strongly. Right. But like with the strain of like, right. what do people want at the same time? Right. Like yeah. you're not choosing one or the other. Right. In certain cases, you might be choosing one or the other. But generally, like you're trying to find a nice balance. Yeah. And like finding balance, I think, is a lot of what Judaism is about. Yeah. Is like finding balance in your life, finding uh, consistency and uh, 
you know, a sense of mediation um, and moderation. We're like almost at exactly an hour. That was really good. Oh, nice. Like ending, I feel like. Oh, there you go. <laughs> um, is there anything you want to plug? Uh, sure. Uh, yeah. A couple of things. One, Congregation Cole Israel, oh, yeah. um, 603 St. John's Place. <laughs> um, if you want to come and visit, um, you're welcome to. My email is rabbisam at ckibrooklyn.org. Um, you can also go to ckibrooklyn.org to look at our website. Um, the Brooklyn Jewish Art Gallery meets every so often um, with different art up. Right now, all the comic books are arts up from Comic-Con. That won't happen again until next year, so you missed that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, we have lots of events. Uh, have comedians come. We had Mike Kaplan last year, Josh Gonzelman from last week tonight. Um, have, uh, you know, have, we've been having some Muslim Jewish storytelling nights, which have been really cool. Um, you know, doing stuff like that, trying to see what people want um, and seeing what, what works well. Um, so that's that. Um, my podcast should be coming out soon in the Pacha. You can find, you should be able to find it on uh, on iTunes and all the podcast places, Stitcher, all those things. Um, I guess I'll plug my wife's stuff too. Oh, so sure. my wife's a writer for the Jewish Week um, and is Hannah Dreyfus. Hi. Um, and uh, so you should read the Jewish Week um, and subscribe, if, especially if you're under 60. Um, and um, and um, on top of that, um, she just started a podcast also called the Chutzpah Podcast, where she interviews like different people she feels has chutzpah. And, yeah. um, and this is with Jofa, right? And, and right. It's a combined effort of Jofa and, and the Jewish Week. Wow. Yeah. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. It was so good to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Hivriya Cast. I'm Aladna Harai. If you'd like to hear more and read more of our work, you can follow us by going to hivriya.com or facebook.com slash mag. We've been recording at the Kalal Studios in New York City. And the music that you're hearing is Voice Lessons by Darshan. Thank you so much. I look forward to seeing and hearing from you again.